Welcome to Revive Mercy Podcast. Today we have a very special episode. Today we have several guests from various backgrounds. And uh, before we begin by introducing each one of them here today, I always like to start off with a quote that will set the tone for the discussion we will be having today. The quote says, a community that excludes even one member is no community at all. Why should we care about mental health? This month is mental health month and this question may be simply answered by someone's name, an individual. Some may be here today, some may not be. Um, mental health in a, a sense been a real, has gone through a lot throughout the years. I, and um, actually mental health month was established in 1949. Um, early histories of mental health is, it was actually seen um, as a punishment in religious communities. Um, then, then later on, there was a lot of mental health state hospitals, but then it turned around to this deinstitutionalization. So a lot of state hospitals were closed down. And then there have been a lot of policies that were trying to give more rights to the people who are affected the most. But one thing that you know a lot of us are connected to is the National Alliance of Mental Illness, NAMI, and that was founded in 1979 provide support, education, ag advocacy, and research ser services for people with severe psychiatric illnesses. So, um, I just would like to first say thank you to all of you for agreeing to attend this group panel discussion today. Um, let's go around this, I guess, virtual room <laughs> and uh, have some introductions and maybe if you can briefly answer the question, why should we care about mental health? So I will start with Sydney, if that's okay. And uh, Sydney, can you just tell us about yourself a little bit and and then maybe answer a little bit, why should we care about mental health? Sure, good morning, everybody. Uh, my name is Sydney Vlahopoulos. I contract with SMA Healthcare and I am the CIT coordinator for both Volusia County and Flagland. Um, and for those of you that might not be familiar with the acronyms, it's Crisis Intervention Team Training and it's a law enforcement geared 40 hour training. And it's a, a tool utilized basically for law enforcement on how to assist um, our population that are dealing with um, mental illness and or substance use. I've been doing this for, gosh, almost 20 years. Been in the game for a while. Mm -hmm. So, and I've seen a lot of changes, obviously, um, through whether it's law enforcement um, applied training in the community and or community members and their um, relationship with law enforcement. So, and also, um, you know, agency collaborations within the community. I've seen a lot of changes happen through that too. So as far as caring about, um, mental illness um, or and or people within the community with mental health of course it's completely job related to what I do obviously uh, and as a community member from a personal standpoint you know there I don't I don't think anybody could truly say that mental health doesn't touch everyone in some way yeah. so it behooves us to care just from that perspective on a personal level whether it's because you know somebody that is a friend um, they're a colleague, you know, it could be a 
you know, as a mom of kids and a minor, you know, it could be a teacher that I run into that might be having some issues or a child, obviously. So I don't feel like in any corner of anybody's life it is untouched. So we do, it's a, it's a personal responsibility, I feel, for all individuals. So I, I end it with that. <laughs> Thank you, Sunny. Uh, how about uh, Uma? Why don't you share with us a little bit about yourself and if you can answer, why should we care about mental health? Thank you, Robert. Um, I'm Uma. Well, to begin with, I can say I'm qualified to talk about this because I'm a mom. <laughs> First, I'm a mom. Then also, we have had um, a life-changing experience for the last 19 years. And um, I, by profession, I'm an ear, nose, and throat surgeon. And um, with the family of my husband being a general surgeon, then um, when my son was diagnosed with a mental health issue, that was a total change and I mean, in our life. So we continued on and then I have learned a lot about being a family member of a challenged individual. At the same time, my primary passion is about being a parent advocate and to burst out the, all the stigma that is surrounding the mental health. No human being can walk around without an intact mental situation. And so I do not for the life of me understand why physical health should be different from mental health issues. Sure. So with that in idea, I honestly believe that our primary goal is to come out and say that mental health is not necessarily somebody's behavior. It is an organic brain syndrome and it is chemically related. So it is no fault of anybody that mm -hmm. one in five, one in five people currently have been uh, living with a mental health challenge. Whether they are diagnosed, they are given a diagnosis or not, it's a secondary matter. Mm -hmm. the, my main passion is to give the dignity of a decent life to the uh, people who have these illnesses and as we go on I'll talk more about it I honestly feel and it's our life's mission to make sure that we bring back the respect that all the individuals deserve Thank you Uma um, Mike could you share with us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about answering that question why should we care about mental health Thank you, Robert. Well, I, it started when I was 15. And when I was 15, the first diagnosed, it was a scary thing. And, you know, it was, it was a thing that affected not only me, but also my family members. And as I've grown and aged and dealing with this for the last 12 years, it has really been an eye opener and it also has been something that's been kind of inspiring to me because I 
I feel that my example or my life is a uh, is proof that you can have a mental illness, but you can be in recovery and you can be in recovery for a long time. And when you're 15 and told you're not even going to graduate high school or you're not going to be anything, that could be very tough. But I prove that you can overcome and you can do good. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why when you ask why should we care, I care a lot because I want to lead by example and show people who are consumers or peers that it's not the end of the world when you're diagnosed with something. You yeah. can go on. You can hold a job. You can go to school. You can do and live your life and have an ambitious life. Yes. Thank you, Mike. Um, well, a lot of you, a lot of the listeners already know about me, but just so everyone's done it, I guess I have to do it. Um, I'm Robert Colon. I am the creator and founder of this podcast and also... I'm a peer, just like Mike. I'm also a facilitator, just like Mike. And we, uh, for me, um, my story was started back in 2000 when I went to the military, Air Force, U.S. Air Force. Um, and uh, I got, I had my symptoms during that time. I've completed and I was honorably discharged, but I was also broken. One of the things that I really realized later on, especially now, is how much value I was, I, I, I didn't have and how I had to piece it all together. Um, yes, I have a mental illness, you know, and, but the thing is that does not hinge on my value. And that's one thing that I've learned and that a lot of us are saying, a lot of people struggle, um, a lot, you know, whether they know that, that they have a mental illness or they are getting treated or not. Um, the mind and body, they both affect each other. If you are, if you have no value for yourself, if you, if you, have no desire to do something, um, you're not going to do it. Uh, one thing, one of my podcast guests who struggled with substance abuse, she said the hardest thing was to say to herself not to drink each day, right? If, I, her, if her whole existence was not to drink every time she woke up, it's, it's not sustainable. What she had to find was some sort of meaning. And I feel like the holistic approach to um, recovery is definitely very useful because everyone's situation is different just like mike was saying and just like a lot of my podcast guests been saying so i feel like everyone's story matters and why should we care about mental health uh revive ministry stances because we can't afford not to anyway um right now we are you know we're in the midst still in COVID 19 and i kind of want to start off with this kind of topic um what impacts will COVID 19 have on the mental health community during it just right now like what we're seeing right now and even after you know because right now there's a lot of fear there's a lot of stuff going on and from for people like me and mike we're scrambling to provide like virtual support groups continue to connect with people in our support groups and in me being a leader to my church i'm trying to do the same there so uh, it's going to be open discussion however you want to answer that anyone who would like to start off just jump right in I'd like to say something about that question, if I may. Um, with, with regard to the impact, I just had a conversation recently with some colleagues, and I, I truly believe that we won't know the full impact mm -hmm. for years to come. Yeah. Um, and I think I speak from a from a, from a generational 
conversation like for, for what mm-hmm. what impact is this going to have on the kids where they were just pulled out of school and now being you know having online schooling how is that going to impact our children i see a lot of um socialization issues if we yeah. don't if that's if we don't handle it um in a positive yeah. manner moving forward and then um with regard to parents that um have to work and on and assist children on with online schooling you know the impact of that was that kind of what kind of impact will that be and i see that as being a really huge obstacle for parents trying to move forward with that big question how am i going to work and still have my my child in school because we really don't know what school's going to look like yeah come in yeah. august right even the schools yeah. even the schools don't know yet yeah so the psychological distress i feel like i mean we're definitely in the mix right now yeah um, but i don't i don't think we're going to really know the impact you know what's what's the impact of the isolation isolation that's going on yeah the disconnect physically from people to people because as humans we're social creatures we really truly need each other and yeah. you know um brownie points to to zoom and other platforms but you have to have the face face to face right so yeah you do yeah, yeah. continuing yeah Con- uh, this is uma continuing the same thought as sini started mm-hmm. we are talking about two different um, uh, i mean the same issue with two different age groups right because uh, the children are a lot more resilient then my concern is more about the undergrads who just are finishing mm-hmm. or the high schoolers who are joining the college so what is the virtual education going to do for them so on that basis what we thought in the community that i am in we're going to start a discussion about the uncertainty of college education and the future of college graduates mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because that is a tough age they're um they are transitioning from adolescent to adult so between ages of 18 and usually um that is the age group that some of the mental illnesses also hit them right so i don't know whether we are going to see more and more of depression mm-hmm. or more and more of uh, behavior that may put them in the category of mentally challenged but they may not be this may be just a situational thing but unfortunately like you mentioned the fear of the unknown unpredictability is the one that is getting to both families as well as the youngsters yeah that's that psychological distress right remember that we're in right now yes it's that not knowing mm-hmm. in the panic case i mean these are all signs and symptoms of anxiety yes. and so yeah how is it, how is that going to affect all ages moving forward i just remember and obviously um i'm not going to name i'm i'm in a church in palm coast and um one of our members which obviously just because on um, privacy but an 18 year old in my church passed away March 11th. Oh. I remember that day very clearly because that's the same day I set the date for my wedding. <laughs> and I remember going um because the covid-19 hasn't really started yet. And um I just remember um I just remember um I was in I was I'm a I'm kind of a youth leader so I I go there and we're doing like this Bible study and then 
the news happened, and then then what happened next week? Everything was shutting down, and I I remember just continuing to try to reach out because what I begin to realize, and like obviously people like me and Mike know, um, is COVID nineteen. Yes, that is the fear, but there's it's much more than COVID nineteen right now. And it's much more than just. You know, obviously, I'm not minimizing because we have nurses that from our church that go to California and New York, and a lot of them take care of the ventilators, and that's not a pretty job. I know my my cousin works; she's a doctor, MD in Philadelphia, and she's a infectious disease specialist. But I have not heard anything from what's going on, but it's affecting a lot of people. So we're just kind of seeing what I'm trying to provide by this discussion is just kind of seeing the environment where we're in right now and why. Obviously, the follow-up question is why、um, the question that I asked before: Why is mental? Why should we care about mental health? Why should we care about mental health, especially today? This month is Mental Health Month, and I didn't feel like we should just pass it by without talking about it. You know, there's a lot of things being said outside in the news, but right now, what I feel needs to be addressed, and this is why this panel is here, is because of the implications of not only the young but also the old. The people getting out college, people going into college, when it regards to COVID nineteen, how is it going to affect us, our mental well being, and our move forward? So, anyone want to take it from there? Yeah, Robert.、Uh, one, yeah, I don't want to be the one talking a lot, but the one thing I want to there is a, a very subtle but very important issue is that not necessarily the ones with mental health have the problem, the、mm-hmm. caregivers. The kids,、mm-hmm. the physicians.、Yes. I have a niece who is a physician who is in co- at the Columbia Hospital in New York. So my brother and my whole family is petrified because she's young, but but there is no guarantee that they don't get infected.、Mm-hmm. So this this is what is even the healthcare givers also have same possibility,、yes. and they require a lot more emotional support. I feel, along with the already the family members that we have that have the mental challenge. Mike, how, I'm sorry. I just want to hear from Mike. Mike, what, what's your input on all this that we've been sharing so far? Well, I think it's funny because I've been having conversations. Basically, a, about a year ago, I was trained by Lutheran Family Services to be a peer specialist,、mm-hmm. and.、Uh, I work with a lot of people one on one, and I'm hearing for people who called them or used to call themselves to me so-called the quote-unquote normies, and they said during this COVID-19 they had family members who had depression or high anxiety levels, and they didn't understand why they had it or quite understand you know why it was so bad. But now that they're facing these issues, like especially with people getting laid off. Of their、mm-hmm. jobs, and people, you know, not being able to do their normal thing that they normally do. Like I had one person tell me they never realized just how much they miss where they could go on a random night and go to any restaurant they want and just sit down for as long as they want and eat in the restaurant,、mm-hmm. or just go and watch a movie just because they wanted to. Yeah, you yeah. know, and be out with people, and so. Even the people who may not necessarily, like Dr. Uma brought out, may not have mental illness themselves, but just being a person、mm-hmm. and dealing with it 
and be, having to be in the house and you know social distance you know it starts to get to you after a while it does it does because like we said in the beginning our connections matter but one of the things that you know being you know being a church leader and also being around people just like uh, many of you have been i've also been on sides of beds who people had like a week to live and i would they be there you know praying or you know and all that stuff but one thing i noticed was they never talked about the title they had they never talked about the stuff they had they always talked about the connections they had so right now we're social distancing and it's really hard because it's you have to find creative ways to continue to connect and it's this willingness and for for me it, it makes me worried especially some people in my peers some people in my friends and family who literally have been shut shut out by by their own choices or just them just you know just being glued to the tv and not you know you can be the like i joke in the the group i'm like if you're watching the news till three or four in the morning you're going to be the mo- most informed sick person i know so that's all that's all, that's all i can say. <laughs> no that's very true very true mm-hmm. so um anyone else want to you know um hey, robert yeah robert i do i wanted i wanted to mention something i kind of wanted to go along and piggyback on what um Uma was talking about with caregivers um and just kind of extend on that conversation a little because i wanted to it you know we wouldn't be doing a service to the community that I'm about to mention today is our right now is our first responders and oh, yes. the impact of our um, first responders you know you you had mentioned nurses so you're talking about medical staff you're talking about you know being a caregiver and you're talking about law enforcement fires i mean all of that i mean mm-hmm. when you talk about an impact if we don't assist our first responders um, you know because this is this does definitely has an impact on them Oh, yeah. uh, having to serve the community and you know you know we were never really going to truly understand it until you know a law enforcement officer says something like this was what my story was during this time and and how difficult this job has become you know and yeah. then having talked about the difficulty in their jobs whether it's law enforcement fire whoever it is you know what impact does that have on them mentally emotionally yeah. and professionally and personally and and it behooves us as a community and our society to say all right well our first responders have had to go above and beyond what we normally consider issues um, because mm-hmm. as a result of this and the current climate, how are we going to help them continue to serve the community and, and ensure that we maintain their health? So yes. these are things that we're going to have to talk about, I, I feel, as as a nation because, you know, mm-hmm. this is cross, this is cross-platform. This is... Yeah, you know, this is a fact. This is affecting everyone. Like I remember when I like I I, I would briefly mention in my um, when I did the intro that I was in the military 2000. What yeah. happened 2001? September 11th. Right. I was in the military. And a lot of the first responders and arguably I'm from Jersey. A lot of my yeah. family's in New York. And a lot of those people like it was bad. But it was so localized. So people who are outside the box, you know, people who weren't there, or people who are in the military, they have a very different perspective of the whole situation. You know, Robert, you know, you say it was locally, absolutely it was locally. 
that there were so many people affected from oh, a yeah. nation standpoint because yeah. you know, all of us have family in New York or Jersey. Yeah. You know, right? we're all connected somehow. So there was, there, yeah. I mean, even down from Florida, I remember that day vividly and, and knowing that several of my colleagues at that time had their children that were working in New York. You know what I'm saying? So Yeah, I guess what I mean by locally, I mean like not internationally because it's affecting right. every country in the world. You know, oh. like arguably like France or like even Germany might have felt bad about what happened in 9-11, right. but yeah. not to the extent that everyone's on the same page. Locally for me, is the United States. Yeah. That's basically what. Uh, and uh, what I say, go ahead. Who's, who wanted sorry, to say, Mike? Right, that was me. I just wanted to say, um, and I keep cutting you off, but I'm sorry. I just kind of feel like I need to get that said is that, you know, if I feel like if we're not taking care of our first responders um, yeah. for today, you know, it really comes down to it still takes a village. And I use this in my training. Um, it still takes a village. We have to care about everybody in order for all of us to be productive um community members right and at the end of the day if i can't take care of myself i can't take care of anybody else so if a first responders that aren't able to take care of themselves then they're not going to be able to take care of us and that's just the way it works right yeah and like i just i just was just trying to say that that's basically what happened in 9 11. they had to they tried to, you know obviously there's all these um from 9 11 um policies that came out of the yeah. for the first responders but they took a long time yeah. took a lot of people pushing for it yeah. it wasn't come yeah. over it wasn't handed out for them you know no, so they fight for it didn't they yeah yeah so yeah, yeah i feel the same thing's gonna happen happen here this after this comes out so yeah. um so with that being said um anyone else want to share the last really just i really just asked about COVID 19 and how's it going to affect the mental health community in the large, you know, you know, we're talking about first responders, we're talking about our loved ones, our friends, our family members, as caretakers, as peers ourselves, like me and Mike. And um, that's what was initial. And then we're just talking about how, like, just, just add into the, the answer that the question to the, why, why should we care about mental health? We're answering that throughout this right now. But um, the other thing I want to kind of shift over is, um, what have you seen personally and professionally that has worked in uh, regarding people with mental health? Whether you um, uh, and what have you seen not work? You know, we have definitely. You know, we're talking about COVID nineteen. We're talking about the scale of it, and how it's affected everyone, and all of us have a different perspective and different expertise. Dare I say, of this this question? Like, what have you seen? personally and professionally and I kind of like it if we could kind of go like I'll ask Sydney to answer then Uma then Mike and then I'll answer at the end. As far as not working is that what you mean? What have you no both, no, both. Worked? What, okay. what worked what worked what regarding people who are affected with mental health yeah. that you've seen personally and professionally and what haven't well, as far as what hasn't worked and without getting because I think it'll open a door for a whole nother conversation that could last for days <laughs> um, what has not worked from a per personal perhaps professional also personal is the cross information that we received from media throughout all of this oh yeah uh, so much so much so many platforms giving us so many different types of information um, so I feel feel like that's kind of added a lot to the panic. 
as a whole, as a society, as a country. Um, so I'll kind of leave it at that um, and let you, you know, let you form your own opinions. But, but I feel like that's not worked and that's kind of probably brought us into, you know, this realm of increasing mental illness, increasing just, uh, stress, anxiety, so forth and so on. It's like this over, oh, sorry, it's, it's an oversaturation of oh information. Oh my gosh, absolutely. And you know, you talked about right, Robert. You talked about you got you know you made you can't, you made that comment about that saying like if you're watching the news and you're watching until four in the morning, you know you're the what is it? What was it you said? You're the the, the most informed sick person. Right. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? So that's kind of what we we're breeding this right now because there's so yeah. many. Well, at the house, what I've done is we've boycotted the news. Mm -hmm. You know, we turn that TV off and we're like, all right, it's done. You know, you get 10 minutes, figure out what's going on and then and shut that thing off and let's focus on it now. What, and that, which leads me into my next of what I feel like has worked as a result of the current climate is it has forced a lot of families to come together and actually spend some time. Exactly. Um, forced us to slow down and mm -hmm. to to reevaluate the things in our lives that are truly important um, yeah. and do away with things that are not so important. And I feel like having done that, we've kind of swept away a lot of the mess and, and the, um, you know, the unnecessary things that we feel like we've got to attain or do or remember. And we kind of like, no, well, obviously that's not priority. So let's get that, let's get rid of that. And you wake up one morning and you think, oh man, I really didn't need that stuff. And I'm actually, <laughs> I'm okay, I'm feeling better about it. So yeah. those are my two. Okay. Uh, so, okay, um, Dr. Uma, would you like to share? Sure. Um, along the same lines, I think uh, let me just talk about two different uh, categories. One, what has worked. It mm -hmm. has always been my experience as well as what I have learned from life is to have a structure. Mm. And we have, irrespective of what goes on in the outside world, some of the structure that is in the house, in the household, does not change. So it's sometimes in, in the most critical moments also, you tell yourself one foot in front of the other. Mm. So that is how you handle the most critical situations. And that's how we have uh, set up a schedule for regular walks outside because our development, we, we are okay as far as the development is concerned and um, at least two to three miles walk mm -hmm. and we do not talk about infections and stuff. We, uh, I, uh, my husband and I have a very good idea about this is the best time in our lifetime that we have so much time to spend with one another. Mm -hmm. So we talk about the childhood we talk about because we have the uh, advantage of two different cultures um, and uh, we came to the country as adults and our children are born and raised here so they need to know what we have valued uh, which has been all along anyway and the second thing is my uh, luckily both my husband and son they're into sports so mm. I need some space to get out of the TV. <laughs> so, so that is one thing. And then we also started um, a few small simple rules. 
that I love to read. Mm-hmm. So I have an allotted reading time for me. And so does Rikar has to read five to ten pages. Mm. I'm a tough mom. Mm. But mm. Uh, yes, and he enjoys doing that. And he's very much into music, though he doesn't want to do a whole lot with outsiders. When I notice that he does not want to uh, get on the phone or attend the meetings and all that, so we just let him be. That's yeah. one thing I've learned over the 20 years. Not necessarily just because of COVID, but even prior to that. I mm. think it is enough, it's important that as they're growing, he's an adult, I keep remembering. Also, we also make it a point the most wonderful thing that came out of this um, staying put together is that I'm trying my best to teach him to cook so he can survive after us. Mm. So, so that is one thing. What has not worked is trying to push him to do, um, I mean, the, the news, I agree completely with Sini. We have limited the news time. My husband and I, we uh, stay up late. So we watch the news at the end of the day. So, and off and on, like not more than five, 10 minutes. Because when there is too much of a controversy between health care givers, as well as the other existing conditions that are in the administration, without going too much into the details, I like to stand on the scientific facts. So that I'm thankful to the profession that we have been in. At the same time, we try not to preach. Mm-hmm. And what I am also doing, I have, as you know, I have the Mother's Cry organization. So I have the youngsters contribute their ideas as to how they are coping up and putting it in a concise form. And I'm thinking of publishing asking Srika to write a chapter for my next book. Mm. So, we'll see how it works. We try not to overwhelm him, Mm. but at the same time, all of us also, like Sini mentioned, we need our own space Mm. and we need to be well to be able to take care of somebody else. It's like the airplane, you know, you put your oxygen mask first. Yes. So, reading has been a wonderful hobby. Mm-hmm. So reading and writing and taking walks mm-hmm. and not to bombard with these different types of information that we are getting. That is the most important thing that I would like to say works for us, works for everybody. Thank you, Uma. Mm-hmm. Mike, can you share with us um, your thoughts? on? Um... Well, the one thing that I would say will go with what doesn't work is I hate the saying ignorant ignorance is bliss mm-hmm. because uh, if you're ignorant or you bury your head in the sand mm-hmm. you may not want to accept something's going on or things are changing but if you don't change or you stand still you not only get passed over but you die mm-hmm. just like a shark if you don't <laughs> keep moving you know you die Yeah, and so you know, I agree with Uma. You have to find a balance of staying informed, but not overdoing it, not just driving yourself crazy with too much information. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. also, what I found has worked is, you know, Uma brought out some 
coping skills that she likes to do with the reading and the writing and the you know taking walks which are all good so i've gone i was taught by you know two or three different people that wholeheartedly be believe in the rap system and for those of you who don't don't know what rap is it's wellness mm -hmm. recovery action plan mm -hmm. and you know yeah. the thing about it is you can make a plan for anything and we if you google that and look up what it actually is you could google rap and basically it you focus on what are some of your stressors that's the the external factors things that may happen to you that make you feel a certain way and how you feel is your uh, early warning signs and with the early warning signs you could feel sad you could feel anxious you could feel depressed and that's the internal part and then the next thing we have are the wellness tool or coping skills and those are things we do to try to help us cope with or manage our feelings and we are also part of the plan you have the daily maintenance and daily maintenance could be something that you have to do every day so that you can make it through the day and have a good day and then you know also there are other things like your crisis plan the thing you 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 do to plan on when you're in crisis and you could give that to people so that when they see you're not well or you're not okay they could already know things to actually help you out to try to pull you out of that situation so and sometimes people they just need somebody to vent to like mm -hmm. they may not want advice or they may not want to be told what to do they just want to just get out of their system because if they bottle it up it just eats away at them and it could cause not only mental distress but also physical distress mm -hmm. um thank you mike um for me um i just want to read a quote and i think uh this really speaks to me it says the most basic and powerful way to connect to another person is to listen just listen Perhaps the most important thing we ever give each other is our attention. A loving silence has far more powerful power to heal and to connect than the most well-intentioned words. Rachel Naomi Remen. I say this because a lot of times I had to deal with a lot of, a lot of different people from a lot of different age groups in my life. And um, I've learned through my own experience being a peer and the people who have not made it um, people close to me who've died from suicide or whatnot um that um you know it's just you know the best we could ask for sometimes and it's unfortunate is just providing that safe place i find that we have the opportunity like cindy said to slow down and it's a good chance to provide that safe place and one way is to limit the amount of saturated information there is right now because what everyone doesn't want to admit that um, with this COVID-19 made us realize how vulnerable we are by the whole world stopping at a drop of a dime for something we can't see. And for me, it's very humbling and me, you know, having that situation with the young person who passed away. And then actually before that, you know, my, um, uh, my experience with my fiance having to come back to the States and that whole, uh, situation because um, it was hectic and it's easy to start blaming other people but when you're angry and you start blaming or 
you're not, you know, you're putting your head in the sand, like Mike's saying, um, you're not really addressing a lot of, you're not really making a lot of room to heal. What I find really that has been helpful for me, I like Uma, I do write, I journal all the time. It helps me a lot. One thing I, reason I journal also is to kind of figure out not only my thoughts, but also the idea of gratitude, the idea of forgiveness. Forgiving is such a complex thing because there's an idea of forgiving others, but also an idea of forgiving yourself. And it's, 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 it's hard. It is hard because at the end of the day, what I realized, Mother's Day just came by. And one thing I realized is that I could never repay my parents. Never. No matter what I do, I can never repay them. You know, there's maybe other people in your lives, you really think about it, you can't repay. But at the same time, it's okay. You know, the thing is, I, I find it a lot more healing just accepting that. And that's been really positive in my life. What I found hasn't worked was similar like what all of you are saying. When you just like say what you should do, what you shouldn't do, and you just kind of put the pressure. A lot of times, like Mike says, people just want to be heard. So um, finding that balance, especially when you're, you're being a caregiver, but even for myself, one of the things that um, one of our NAMI members did a podcast episode, her name was Claudia Black, and she said she used to ask her son every day, how are you doing? And for me, it, it kind of rings true because when I was really in the thick of it in my with my mental illness, I remember my mom doing the same thing and I hated disappointing her because it, I wasn't doing better. You know, I was in the midst of medication management and it was hard. So like one thing is uh, that's uh, what I realized is that helped me was realizing detaching the the mental illness from who I am. I am that helps me with the medication and all, all the other avenues of coping skills, but also remembering that I have value. Piecing back my value was tremendously helpful. Um, connections have been tremendously helpful. And, you know, I just find that, you know, sharing my story has been tremendously helpful. I, I want to, I just want to, Go ahead. I just want to say, um, um, hold on. There's a, there's a one second. Yeah, that, that was okay. I, it's, it's fixed. Okay. I just want to switch. I just want to open the, open it up for, we're going to wrap things up now. So I want each person to just give their last thoughts and takeaways. Um, just any last thoughts you want to mention. Um, that anything you want to mention we're talking about the title of this panel and uh, is why should we care about mental health and this month is mental health month so any last words um, we'll do it reverse this time we'll have Mike go go first and then we'll go to Uma then Cindy then me and then wrap things up anything like you talk about mother's cry Dr. Uma I will put that in the notes of the podcast. You just give me the information. Anyone else want to share any information that they're doing? We'll put that in the notes when this, um, when this, uh, before this publishes. So, um, uh, Mike, can you go ahead? And any last thoughts, basically? My last thoughts, I would like to say, um, I, I've done a lot with NAMI, and I go back to the principles of support, and one that. And I believe all of them are really important and good, but one we don't talk about, or I don't talk about as much, 
that I probably should, especially nowadays, is number one. We will see the individual first and not the illness. Because a lot of times, a lot of people, they're used to just seeing people and defining people be like, oh, you have schizophrenia or oh, you are bipolar. But we are not our conditions. And, you know, we have to understand that one, it can happen to anybody. Two, you can't overcome it. And three, if you do get a mental illness, it's a lifelong battle. And you have to strive every day to do the best you can. Some days we do really, really good. And some days we do really bad. But in the end, as long as we keep pushing and striving, we can overcome. And one big important thing to help with this is self-care. I have a saying that you three have probably heard me say multiple times that I would like to share. Is I love me some me. (laughs) And it's not grammatically correct, but it's a mindset that if you have, you know, some people be like, oh, that's just a narcissistic mindset. Sometimes if you want to have a balance of your mental health and physical and a holistic thing, you have to love you some you. Otherwise, you know, you fail. And if you fail, sometimes the people around you are come crumbling down as well. And I'll end it with that. Thank you, Mike. Uh, Dr. Uma? Sure. Um, First thing I always say, don't ever give up. Mm. Never give up. And have a very strong, we have a very strong faith. It doesn't matter what type of faith, but the faith in humanity and the faith in the fact that each one of us has a purpose in life. Yes. And um, so, and to fulfill that purpose, you work hard, you never give up. Sometimes, yes, you do feel down. When you do feel down, count your blessings. Look at the positives in life. Mm. So I always try to tell people, I like to listen, like Robert mentioned before. Sometimes all somebody needs is a shoulder to lean on. Mm. And at the same time, as a caregiver, you need to be careful not to take on somebody else's pain because like Mike mentioned, this is a lifelong situation. It's not going to go away with a couple of Tylenols. So it is something that you live, you may not be able to get over, but you will definitely be able to get through. So that is my principle, even in the mother's cry. What we do is educational seminars and it's on the Facebook too, motherscry.net is the Uh, website and I encourage youngsters because my interest is in the positive way how to deal with avoiding prevention is better than cure so and the youngsters are in such a um, situation sometimes in a dilemma they don't know but they know to say oh mom you don't know anything so most of the parents face the fact that But then I also talk to the parents and tell them, listen more than talk. Mm. I mean, you just have to listen because from their point of view, something that looks like an um, unbelievable end of the world is not really so. So, But that you know out of experience as an adult, Mm -hmm. but they don't. So I think if you pay attention to them and listen more, and then let them express 
then we can add and subtract what we want to i think that would help a lot that's why i have i'll be honest i have a lot more friends younger than 25 years old <laughs> than those above 60 <laughs> so thank you very much for this opportunity you know friendship is friendship but yes. never ever give up yes sunny last thoughts um last thoughts uh i would like to say is to everybody that's listening is know your community mm. resources incredibly important there's a lot of us that um out in the community unfortunately that don't and so for those of us that do that um are well informed of community resources please share the knowledge you know you have for our county obviously you know SMA healthcare mm. nami huge resource you know and your suicide prevention hotlines please utilize those that's what that's what we're here for and then um from a personal i, I just want to remind everybody just to to mm. stop and breathe mm-hmm. just when it seems like it's about to get too much or too intense just breathe and then just look around be forgiving of yourself and others because i feel like um some of us have kind of gotten into this this mm. mean mode so be forgiving of yourself and others um remain humble definitely because it is a, like you said rob it's a very humbling experience um and then remember that it take, takes a village we all need each other i mean it's just that's just the way it is we just all need each other so those are my my closing thoughts and i do appreciate the opportunity thank you rob very much Yeah no pro- no problem and um for me it's just really just you know I that's the the answer is still the same why should we care about mental health because we can't afford not right. to um um you know one thing I want to say real quick is that um um thank you each one of you for agreeing um to be a part of uh, part of this uh, this is um as guests in this panel I also want to just reiterate what Uma said, uh, us being <laughs> Nami is never give up hope. Everyone who's listening up there. So um remember to check out Revive Mercy podcast on the website for all new episodes at revivemercyfl.com or side podcast. All the resources, everything that everyone's mentioned, uh, I will get that and I'll be in the notes. So click down when you look at the podcast, you'll see those notes available. Um this month is mental health month like I mentioned. And Revive Ministry podcast has an initiative to collect short clip videos about 30 minutes. No, not 30 minutes, 30 seconds, please. <laughs> 30 seconds plus or minus and uh all around the world. You know, the question we're still answering the question, why should we care about mental health? And just 30 seconds plus or minus, send a video to reviveministriesfl@gmail.com and use the subject line hashtag why should we care? Any other questions of what Revive Ministry podcast is planning for Mental Health Month? Please email me us at the same address, reviveministriesfl@gmail.com. Thank you for listening. This is goodbye from Revive Ministry podcast. I will leave you with this quote: Do not do not judge me by my success. Judge me by how many times I fell down and got back up. Nelson Mandela.